What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. Uh, Or as I went by earlier for a few minutes this evening, Eton Smith. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When I was trying to change my name to protect the innocent and and the rest of the CTV staff, but they're not that innocent, so I changed it back. Um, (laughs) I'm here with Eli Kim and Chris Francis. We got a 50%... This uh, podcast is 50% Korean and 100% awesome, so um, I'm super hyped to have my boys on, um, and oh my god, Evan Mobley, come on. Beat down. Yes. Evan Mobley, I mean... Generational it, talent. It, I mean, do you feel like the Cavs just like fell into... fuck? No, fudging Bill Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Bill Russell. It's possible. It's very. I mean, the guy. I the blocks tonight were just unbelievable. He took Zach Levine's soul tonight. He really did. (laughs) He did. He did. He. I am convinced that Evan Mobley's mother was bitten by a vampire when she was pregnant with him and he is half vampire just like Blade <laughs> and you know JB Bickerstaff makes the weapons and Evan Mobley just uses them just like Blade so i mean <laughs> it was awesome. just unbelievable tonight i mean he was he was Russell esque like just the blocks straight to teammates like not the, I'm gonna Dwight Howard this crap into the 15th row. No, I'm gonna tip this to a teammate because I can, you know. And it's just like it was unbelievable. The guy is. I haven't. When is the last time we've seen this player? Like somebody tell me. Well, like did, what's did, the did com- see, what's the most recent comp? Did you see the stat? Uh, that they posted tonight on Twitter. It's he's the first he's the first Cavs rookie to record five blocks since LeBron James. Yeah, and I'm gonna bet that he eclipses that before the end of the season. 
that's hard to that's hard to bet against. <laughs> I mean, just you're right. He took Zach Levine's soul. He <laughs> and it's just well, yeah. and if you if you and I know like Stevendorf. Well, that's, and a blade, and that, that's a Blade One reference. <laughs> well, and I know you you missed the first half, but in the in the very opening of the game, he, they literally just dumped it down to Evan Mobley, and he scored like nine straight points to open oh, the game. I watched. I watched. <laughs> oh, okay, you saw that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was on the phone for most of it, but I mean, he was incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it was just uh I mean he's trending on Twitter nationally tonight. So that that's how good of a game it was. It was oh, just ridiculous. He just that I mean the Cavs literally got the third pick and won the lottery. Of I mean this Okay, we got to look at the last few NBA drafts and like I've said to people this guy is Kevin Durant, LeBron James, like who else? Who else is in that list of how good he looks as a rookie? Maybe Luca. Yeah, yeah, Luca. That's the list. I mean, even um, even Anthony Davis. I don't feel like he looked this good as a rookie. Maybe he did. I don't know, but he's also a douche. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, you're on fire. It is awesome. This is amazing. This is I, this is I, gonna be rare. I'm this is rare. Right? Yeah, rare. Like uh, you just threw me on the grill and seared each side, and <laughs> and now uh, yeah, I'm rich and rare. I'm like Canadian Miss Whiskey. So <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I mean, what a what a performance from Evan Mobley. Let's talk about it. We've got. 16 points, 8 of 11 shooting. Like, honestly, they should have given the freaking guy the ball more. Um, Nine rebounds. And let's talk about 31 minutes, 35 seconds, and plus 28 in that time. And that ain't BS either. Like, he earned every bit of that plus 28. He was ridiculous. Um, Two steals. Uh, an assist, and, oh, one turnover and one personal foul to go with five blocks. Like, say all you want about, you know, our old center, um, Hard Rock Hartenstein. I mean, this guy, five blocks with one foul. What is that? That's just insane. It's just ridiculous. Like, what are we doing here? And, oh... Jared Allen, Mr. Dunk Machine, 18, or sorry, 13 points, 12 rebounds, 5 and 9, just putting guys in the spin cycle in the fourth quarter. Like, he was, oh my God, this team's incredible. And somebody shut me the F up. <laughs> Eli, what did you think of this game? I mean, it was a beautiful game from start to finish. Started with Mobley, and then, honestly, Darius Garland has looked amazing i think in the last five six games he's been unstoppable and you, you ain't lying my friend and uh i gotta i gotta hand it i gotta be honest i was not a big Lori marketing fan i thought maybe you know he'd be way too slow not shifty enough to play defense but it just works man it somehow works and he he even like 
you know, there are moments where he frustrated Levine, and it's kind of it seems counterintuitive to put this like you know seven footer dude who's not the shiftiest, but he's just so damn long, and defenses are scared to try to drive the drive to the hoop when you got Mobley and Allen just waiting right behind him, no matter who you got. So, you know, and, and the closeouts, like, like those closeouts. Yeah. When they close out on guys, it's a little bit scary. Like, especially because the fake and flail is a thing of the past now. Yeah. And, um, to add to that too, like, um, whenever you switch, it's like, oh, I want to switch, uh, from Mobley. And then who you're going to get? You're going to get Markinen or you're going to get Allen, who are just as tall. And obviously they aren't as talented defensively on the perimeter, but it's just a really tough, uh, a really tough look to get inside and even, you know, kick out to open three point shooters when you got a seven footer jumping out at you on a, yeah, I mean, the open three. The wingspan is like, oh my God, did you see that steal that Evan Mobley had in like the late third quarter where he just consumed the ball? Like, he just, like, have you ever seen the movie, um, God, what's that movie with Natalie Portman and, um, it, it, it's just, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. So just ignore me. Keep going. <laughs> I mean, one That's thing insane. to, to piggyback of what, uh, Eli was saying, what was interesting about the game is that it was a total team effort. There was guys who stepped up all throughout the game. There was love's three barrage in the third quarter. There was Rubio getting timely buckets. It was Laurie Markkinen's show there for a little bit. It was the Jared Allen show in the fourth quarter. It was Darius Garland, uh, you know, uh, coming up with the big time threes uh, to close the game out. So it was just an amazing total team effort. And the way they took care of business, I mean, they they were favored in the game, which was rare. You know, they they've been rarely favored in any of the games this season. They were favored in this game, and they just came out, took care of business, and, and kicked some butt. You know, it was just something that uh, really good teams do, is they take care of business against good teams. And it was just a total uh, – and, and they dominated both sides of the ball. I mean, Vucevic well, was in prison. You know, go ahead, go ahead. And, uh, I was just going to say, and my brother would say, business. B-I-D-N-I-S-S, business. They took care of business. You know, when you pass go in Monopoly and you get to frickin' uh, Vermont Avenue and it's the last frickin' property you got to get to get all the blues, like, they took care of business. That's what the Cavs did tonight. 100%. 100%. Anyway, sorry. I was just, I'm just, I'm gushing over this team. They're, they're phenomenal. It's just. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, and and it, you got guys like Lamar Stevens. You got Ricky Rubio. Like Lamar Stevens just played under five minutes. Had a, had just hitting the, I mean, even the garbage time squad looked fun and engaged. You know, five minutes of Kevin Pangos, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, and Denzel Valentine. Like, Dean Wade, how about five minutes of garbage time, nine points, like three or four from deep? What is that? Like, 
you gotta love when even garbage time is awesome. Like so good. And oh, yeah. and and Chetty Osman. Like Chetty Osman playing twenty two minutes, everybody on the live thread, like Chetty Osman needs more minutes, but the guy two or three from three, just uh easy six points plus eight on the game. Oh yeah, and three steals, two five stocks in twenty two minutes. Like just let's let's just Chase ruminate Chetty, on baby. that. Chase down Chetty. Like Chase down taking, Chetty. taking pointers from LeBron and all those guys in that remember the picture of him and all those small <laughs> forwards? That's and right. uh who was Dwayne was it Dwayne Casey? Was the coach that he, they were all training with? Like, man, that guy's that guy's a bench. So good. So good. He He's he's in rarefied air. I mean, KD, LeBron, Chetty. That's all you need, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And 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 Jay Buckets maybe. I mean, that's about that's it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that game, God, this team is good. Uh and Isaac Okora thought played a great game tonight. Just a lot of really heady plays, like nine points, four or seven from the field, four rebounds, plus 16. Like, didn't do too much, but didn't do not enough, as he often has in the past. Like, he was just ridiculous. And He, yeah. he was really doing the little things tonight. You know, he was Absolutely. rebounding, you know, he was what? rebounding, hustling, diving on the floor, uh, and also... Uh, an interesting wrinkle tonight with the Cora was letting him run the point a little bit uh, to to give some plays off to DG early in the game. You know, kind of kind of let him rest on the court. You know, and also kind of minimize the negative impact Cora can have on the offensive side. So I thought that was a nice adjustment by JB to get him on the ball a little bit more. Also, him in transition. Those transition finishes by Okoro tonight. Oh, they were filthy. Oh, yeah, he had one where he went one on three, I felt like. Yeah, I think that was the and one, too. He might have gotten an and one from that, too. Yeah, I mean, he he was really – like, everybody forgets the dude is not even 21 yet. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, I, mean, now I got to look. Like, it's just – He's young. Like, people, like, oh, well, of course not. The, the dude is not even 21 yet. Come on. What are we talking about here? Okay, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs, a podcast. Okay, Chris, Eli, I got to tell you, I want to carry J.D. Bickerstaff's baby. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I'm in love with the dude. The dude is like, you remember how much we criticized in the last two years, year and a half, you know, after the John Beeline disaster? Like, the dude, like, his post-game pre- press conferences, like, how can you not root for this guy? He is all about his players. Like, it's all about everybody buying in and the team culture. And, you know, it's not about his ego. It's just all about the team and you know, building the guys up that play for him. And, like, how can you not love the dude? And I kind of want to marry him. I'm just saying, like, like you know, Christina Smith, you know, I I, I, I might <laughs> I might have to leave you for J.B. Bickersack. I'm just saying. So, I mean, oh uh, what, what do you see coaching-wise tonight, Eli, that you love? 
Oh, I mean, I really liked um, how he... I feel like lately he's been staggering uh, Rubio and DG a lot more. Obviously, I think they play well together fine, but just look at the number of assists they put together. Those two combined for 15 tonight. And, you know, both of them get their opportunities to shoot and play off each other as well, but they also, you know, get in the rhythm and get their chance to operate the team on their own. So I really like that adjustment. And I got, you know, JB's bigger staff is playing to win. I mean, it's an eight-man rotation, maybe <laughs> nine, but he is he is he is not pulling any punches, and he's trying to win every game. And I commend that effort, especially in today's uh, era of you know rest days. Look at the Nets. The Nets thought that they could just roll into Houston tonight without KD, and they're going to lose tonight. So I mean, JB, he's. He's interesting because he, he's a younger guy, but he plays. He has that old school mentality, probably because his dad's been in the, in, with uh, within the organi- association for so long. But, um, you know, I really like what he has been doing in terms of, you know, staggering those guys, letting Caleb play through some, you know, tough defensive sequences to, you know, make three threes in a quarter, stuff like that. I think he is really letting the players play and he definitely has their attention and they're all motivated to play hard for this guy. Yeah, I definitely feel like he has the team's respect and that's hard to do and especially when you've lost for the last season and a half and season and a half. I mean, it's just the guy just puts people in a position to succeed and you know how like we always used to complain about uh, the baseline out of bounds plays and the sideline out of bounds plays and just I feel like or the challenges last year I feel like just like slowly some of those complaints are going away like it's he's just he's progressing along with his players like the things that we had complaints about um, are are fading away and I don't know if you saw the tweet you know, uh, a day or two ago um, around, you know, the improvement of uh, from game from last season to this season of the Cavs and the Warriors. And, and as I said, you know, in responding to that tweet, not tanking is a hell of a drug. You know what I mean? Like, it's so nice to not be tanking anymore. Chris, what did you see tonight from JB Bickerstaff? that you liked or didn't like. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the adjustment to, I mentioned the adjustment to um, put a Coro on ball was, I think a positive adjustment. I think that's definitely a way to kind of neutralize uh, a Coro's deficiencies on the offensive end. Um, I was critical on the live thread about the eight man rotation and, uh, specifically what was happening in the game was that Chicago was just packing the paint. Uh, whenever Okoro and Allen were on the floor, it was just Chicago didn't even bother to guard Okoro. Also, uh, they had cross-matched uh, Okoro with uh, Vucevic um, for a lot of the game. Uh, so uh, Very one, Similarly to the way uh, Utah did it with uh, Rudy Gobert, being that's primarily assigned yep. on Okoro. Yep, that's an excellent point. And actually, what was a great adjustment by Bickerstaff was uh, 
that cross match was actually one of the results of the cross match was actually how Mobley started going off was that Mobley had a smaller guy on him as a result. And so that cross match, they were just mining that, that cross match uh, with Mobley in the first quarter, which I thought was a great, uh, was a great adjustment. Also, there was a great timeout that JV had in the second quarter uh, that really, in my opinion, saved kind of saved the game because it was they had, they had pushed the lead out to double digits. They had lost the lead, getting goofy in the second quarter, and JB calls a timeout. Uh, clearly, the message after the timeout was feed the bigs, feed Mobley, feed Allen. We need to we need to keep on going to the bigs because Chicago was small. I mean, Ch- Chicago plays small. And they like to go small in their reserve lineups. And they were also missing players as well. And so uh, uh, so going to the bigs, uh, adjusting to the bigs really kind of helped uh, get the momentum uh, turning in the second quarter. Um, and, and, and in a general thing, I'll say about JV, and it's kind of piggybacking off what you guys are saying, which I think is a great point, is that he's the ultimate players coach. Like, you listen to his interviews, you listen to his comments, you know, every single moment that there is uh, that he when he's talking about his players, it's nothing but positivity. There's ne- he's never saying anything negative about his players. He's never going to put his players publicly on blast. He's always going to keep it in the locker room as far as any anything that needs to be addressed. And uh, you can't help. I mean, that's why these guys look like they're going to run through a brick wall for him is because. They know that the coach has their back. The coach is not going to leave them out to dry uh, to the public. And that's got to be an extremely comforting feeling, especially for a roster as young as this. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, it, it's so interesting the way that the Cavs, and it's not just that running through a brick wall for JB, they're running through a brick wall for each other. Like, the Cavs this year are playing for each other so much. Um, you know, it, it doesn't ever feel like there's anybody on this team that's like, I got to get mine. I got to get my touches. Like Jared Allen, if he like had said, Hey, freaking feed me. He probably could have had 28 points tonight. If, uh, you know, Evan Mobley had said, Hey, feed me. I'm hot. He could have had 30 points tonight. You know, Darius Garland yeah. took the shots that were there. Um, didn't turn the ball over. Is only two turnovers to six of six, six assists and twenty four points tonight. Like they're just e- even Ricky, not even Ricky Rubio because he's a very selfless, selfless player normally. Like Rubio, eleven points, nine assists. Like he's always doing that. Like it's just about what do we got to do in the moment to win. And I am, I I want to carry this team's baby. it's just like you know sign me up for uh yeah i just better shut up now uh it's i'm in love with this team there's so much fun like is this this is the most fun team since 2016 am i wrong guys oh it's i don't know i mean like back then there was the weight of expectations you know what i mean it's weird because, you know, there was, you had LeBron, it was a ticking, you know, there was a ticking clock to get a championship. 
with this team, it's like we're seeing the beginning of something very special that's going to last, yeah. you know, Lord willing, you know, for a very long time. And, uh, and the creeps don't rise. That's right. <laughs> like, how fun is this team? Like, the just there's nothing like getting a team on the come up. You know what I mean? It's it, it's so fun. I'm just a player looking for a come up in the word, words of Macklemore. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and one thing I'll say is to your point about Rubio and Garland is I feel like they're really setting the tone for the for the team because of their unselfishness and Mobley as well. I mean, it, it's just trickling and it's an infectious thing about how unselfish this team is. And I feel like Rubio was an essential part of bringing that mentality to the team and and everybody's benefiting. Mobley seems to be that kind of guy. It's just the character on this team is off the charts in terms of basketball unselfishness. Ricky, don't lose that number. It's the only <laughs> one you own. You might use it if you feel better. I don't know the I don't know the next line, but something like when you get <laughs> that was good. I was impressed. Yeah, that that was a little that was a little Steely Dan for you. I've always been uh, throwing out those uh, throwing out those memes of the Steely Dan. Ricky, don't lose that number. But man, that guy is so much fun. I hope he is a Cav for a couple more years at the very least. Like rest of his I, career. I feel like he's such a catalyst. I mean, like yes. here's the here's the thing I love about Ricky Rubio. Like the guy has terrible shooting percentages from the floor. <laughs> like, come on, let's let's pull those up. They're both they're sub forty percent. And oh, yeah. yet he is such a positive factor. You know, part of the thing is the guy's not afraid to take the shot. Like a little bit teams are afraid of him because he's not afraid of missing. And you need guys like that on your team. Like his willingness to shoot the three and just live with the misses has been so needed by this team. And, and the same thing with just, you know, going one-on-one if he doesn't get a layup, if he misses that, you know, running one-handed scoop shot that, he takes with both freaking hands. He's like, whatever. That's a good shot. I I may not be shooting the highest percentage, but it's still a good shot. Yeah, Rubio so much fun. is on. He's only shooting thirty six percent from the field, but he is still shooting thirty, almost thirty five percent from three. So can't be that upset with him um, from deep for sure. And in the words of David Wood, he is a very high variance player. Like. I feel like Rubio and wins versus Rubio and losses, like you can live. It feels like the losses, like they were probably going to lose him anyway, but he's good in wins and in the losses, like, okay, he missed. They didn't shoot that well, but they were the right shots, you know, Um, but they were probably going to lose that game anyway. And, And a little bit of that is like going back to the last two games, the Milwaukee game and the jazz game. And, I just thought the Cavs played phenomenal in both those games. Um, given, you know, the Jazz game, I thought was one of the best games the Cavs played all year, um, even though they lost at the end. And the Milwaukee game, I was like, I can't believe they're in this game despite 
the fact that they're on the second night of a back-to-back against one of the best teams in the West and literally the defending freaking NBA championship or the defending NBA champions with Giannis Adetokounmpo looking like a modern day, like Jordan had a baby with uh, Dr. J like hitting freaking pull up threes looking like Ray Allen out there. Like, what is that? Like, the fact that the Cavs are only in that down and down 10 at the end, like they just played their butts off despite the bad shooting from everybody. Like if there was ever a schedule loss, it was that Milwaukee game. Somebody jump in. I'm out of breath. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. Cause that Milwaukee team, surprisingly, they haven't been that healthy this year. Their big three of Middleton, Giannis and uh, Drew have only played 11 games in which they are 11-0 and now. So really tough uh, opponent for the Cavs to not only get them on the back-to-back, but also have to travel to Milwaukee after playing at home the night before. So, you know, can't uh, – it's definitely – you know, we could chalk it up as a schedule loss, but they could have packed it in and no one would probably bat an eye, but they didn't. They fought. They kept it within, I think, two at one point in the fourth quarter. Um, so, you know. Yeah, they were really close. And um, the other thing is Giannis has never lost on his birthday. So the Cavs came pretty close. But um, just a lot of – it was a very good game, very entertaining. And, yeah, Giannis is quietly being – somehow even gotten a lot better. He's much more in control, I feel like. And, you know, I think – the Bucks are kind of the sneaky team. Again, they're just slowly creeping up the standings and dominating again. And them and the Jazz, I mean, the Jazz are also the same boat. They're the third team in the West, quietly behind the Warriors and Suns, who just lost, you know, after winning so many games in a row. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think the, the, there's just not a lot of parity right now. Or well, I guess in a way there is a lot of parity, but the, the cream of the crop is really uh, ahead of the pack, especially in the West right now. Yeah, and that uh, Milwaukee game, I mean, let, let's go back and, you know, dig into the box score a little bit. Cavs, five guys in double figures. Jared Allen with another monster game with 25 and 9, uh, two blocks. You got Laurie Markinen, uh, you know, being the big finish which is might be the greatest nickname I've ever come up with. I'm just going to toot my own horn here. Um, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. Then you got Kevin Love off the bench. 19 minutes, 15 points. Like, they played really well, but the problem was the Bucks just left Isaac Okoro wide open, and the dude couldn't make a shot. Minus 20, 0-6 from the field. I love the fact that the Cavs went right the frick back to him tonight. Um, but you know, you saw Gar- Darius Garland three twelve. It's hard to overcome that. It, it very much felt like a make or miss um, loss by the Cavs. So it, you know, and you live with those. Yeah, Am I wrong? No, I think you're. Excuse me, a hundred percent correct. I think in that Milwaukee game, they had like I think they out assisted the Bucks twenty seven to twenty one in that game and still shot only 37%. So, I mean, they were passing the ball really well. The ball was moving. The ball was finding the open guy. They just couldn't hit a damn thing. So, And you'll get that on a back-to-back with a travel. Like, exactly. I mean, it was totally I mean, literally yeah. the Cavs are on a five-game and seven-night schedule this week. 
yep. which is yep. insanity. And they're one and two so far. So I'll, I'll live with that. And it was, I mean, not that I wish for anybody to be injured, but it was nice to see, you know, the injury report gods give a little parody to the Cavs tonight when, um, you know, had DeMar DeRozan. Uh, who else was out tonight? Caruso. Caruso. And uh, Javante Green. Green was a star. Javante yep. Green, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Javante Green, another guy I wish the Cavs had gone on after in the offseason. What a steal for the Bulls he's been. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was nice to see the Cavs' little uh, injury karma. Hopefully none of those guys are out for too long. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was super fun. Um, and with that, we will be right back. Ooh. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. I jumped the gun on the on the intro. I did three, two, and then I did like, you know, uh, right in. So I really came in at one instead of zero. But that may be the Market Garden Festivus holiday ale in front of me that is contributing to my gun jumping. But uh, it's been a fun week of the Cavs, and I I kind we talked about the Bucks game, but I. You know, which the Cavs lost 104-112, but I kind of want to go back to one of my favorite games of the season, which was the Jazz game, which honestly, I thought even though the Cavs lost, was just one of the best played games of the season I saw from both teams from the very tip. The Cavs lost 109-108 to one of the best teams in the world. And, you know, both teams... Played at a super high level, I thought. Uh, the Cavs forced 17 turnovers while only giving up 13. Um, you know, they went 14 of 38 from three, whereas the Jazz went 20 of 48. And in a way, it was really make or miss, but it was just a really, really, really well played game by both teams. We saw monster game from Darius Garland, 31 points. Was that a career high? I, I don't remember. Anybody Almost, know? Uh, he had 37, yeah. I think, against the Spurs last year. Nice. And and that is why I keep you around. It's not just for your good looks, Chris Francis. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> sir. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, 31 points, five assists, five stocks, which means four steals and a block by Darius Garland, five of eight from the field. I mean, the guy looked literally – Curry-esque, if you will, against the Jazz. Um, it was went toe to toe with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, it that game I felt like was played at such a high level by the Cavs. And honestly, if Kevin Love doesn't, you know, put up a three point, you know, stinker in uh, in Cleveland, the Cavs probably take that game. I mean, it was it was just. So well played. Uh, do you do you remember that game at all, Eli? Did you get to watch that one? Yeah, I did. Um, it was it was a very good game. I think that you know I gotta be honest. I thought Jared Allen played out of his mind, and it it just I felt a little bad because I think Gobert got the better end of him at the very end, but um, because of te- his team won. But I really think uh, Gobert is a player that. Jared Allen could try to emulate and watching them just continue to battle all day was really encouraging. You know, at the end of the day, it's still a loss, but 
really encouraging to see Jared Allen kind of get the confidence of going against probably one of the best defenders in the league. And, you know, hopefully that can continue to translate for the Cavs uh, the rest of the way. But I thought it was a great game. Um, you know, the Jazz are one of the top teams in the league for a reason. They're extremely well coached and they make good adjustments. They found a way to adjust and just get, you know, just do enough just to enough to win. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. And, and actually, you know, that game was one of my only kind of quibbles with JB Bickerstaff's coaching is, you know, coming down the stretch last possession, you know, about, 17 seconds or so left. Uh, the Cavs had a five on four, uh, because Donovan Mitchell had fallen on the baseline after a drive and missed the shot. And, you know, Rubio was looking at Bickerstaff and Bickerstaff said, Hey, I'm going to take a timeout instead of, and then of course, Darius Garland was alone at the top of the key. And it's like, you know, that was my one quibble about the whole game is like, you got to be aware of the situation. You got to trust your team to go, go, go. And I felt like that was a little bit um, of a mistake. And then the Cavs, what, had like four shots at the end between offensive rebounds to try and, you know, get a bucket to go over the Jazz and they just couldn't hit one. And, you know, you live with that. But it, it was a little bit frustrating that they gave up the power play advantage, uh, the five on four. Uh, when when they had it, um, did, was have you heard anything about that, Eli, or any? Did JB make any comments about that after the game or anything? Yeah, I actually did not. Um, but yeah, I imagine that a lot of people were upset, but it's hard to realize that kind of in the moment, right? You 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 have 18 seconds, and you're like, oh, we got to call timeout and try to get the best shot possible, and. You know, the Cavs scored, what, 108 points against the Jazz defense. That's really good. So I think they felt pretty confident in their plan. Um, but understandably, a 5-on-4 is pretty hard to beat. But uh, I did not hear anything in particular from JV on that. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, uh, I did not hear anything uh, as well. Um, the thing that st- stood out about the game for me was just how – the Cavs were able to go to another level uh, in that fourth quarter. I mean, they were, you know, they were doing just enough to stay in the game through the thir- first three quarters. And then there was another level that they reached in that fourth quarter. Uh, they won that quarter 26 to 18. So that the defense just all of a sudden locked down in that fourth quarter and they found another level to, to you know, elevated their game. Uh, against uh, an opponent, I would say the Jazz are probably one of the they they have to be one of the teams that has the most continuity on their roster and, and just in their organization. And, and yeah, and I was just about to say their coaching staff. And you know, I 100% agree with you. I thought the Cavs looked like, dare I say it, a playoff team. Like, <laughs> it's not even a question, did. is it? Is, is no, that even a question? Win. Well, it's always a question. <laughs> you know, it until it happens. It true. <laughs> but they did. They I mean that game felt like a playoff level intensity, execution, um, adjustments by both teams, 
just really, really, really played at a very high level, it felt like to me. Um, and it was the best I thought I've seen the Cavs play since, you know, shades of 2017 when, uh, you know, LeBron pretty much carried the Cavs on his back to the NBA Finals. Um, or no, I guess that was 2018 he carried him on his back to the NBA Finals. And then yeah. 2017 was the last year of Kyrie. But, yeah, I thought it was just really one of the best-played regular season Cavs games I've seen in a long time. Um, you know, and, and again, the Cavs, five guys in double figures. Chetty Osman, another monster game. I mean, at this point, like, do you roll the dice and give Chetty more minutes? Because, man, it feels like he deserves them. Am I wrong here, guys? I mean, I 100%, I said that tonight. I, I 100% agree with you, Nate. I think you got to trust your guys. You got to trust the work they put in. It's obvious that Chetty went to the lab this offseason, uh, really worked on his mental game, I think was the main thing, honestly. Uh, and he's come out and he's been consistent all the way through this season. And I feel like you got to reward guys for the work they put in. Um, it, yeah, it comes at the, and, and I get that it comes at the expense of Cora, which, you know, I, I get why that might be controversial, but I feel like that could be beneficial ultimately for the team and for both guys, quite frankly, you know, put a little less pressure on a to produce in, you know, fewer minutes and reward a guy who's been consistently good for you the whole season. And, you know, Chetty is, uh, he's 26, 25, 26, you know, he's not old. You know, the, I, you know, so I, you know, I feel like that this improvement that he has is sustainable and, uh, that there could be even a little bit more, you know, marginal improvements yet still for him. And, you know, it wouldn't harm. I don't think I, I get why they don't want to mess with success there, but I feel like the guys kind of earned it. I don't know what you think, Eli, but, but. yeah, I mean, I really like how Chetty's been playing this year for sure, but. I think the fear is once he plays a lot more, he's going to have to do more than be a catch and shoot. And, you know, he, he's not really doing any secondary playmaking anymore. And I think that's all by design. That's a good point. Yeah. So I think the more you play him, you kind of have to let him. He has to do more than just catch and shoot the whole game. So I think there's a fear that if he plays more, you know, what do you, his role might have to evolve. And that's when things can kind of go off the rails with him from last year's. I mean, I'm with you guys, but the other side of it is let's look at his per 36 numbers. They're through the roof. I mean, advanced his VORP versus last year, 0.6 versus negative 0.3 last year. His box plus minus um, is 3.7 versus negative 2.8. I believe he's one of I believe he is the biggest box plus minus mover in the NBA this year. Like, that is, is correct. Chetty for mm -hmm. most improved is to it, me. It, yeah. That, you went from negative three to positive 3.5, I believe. Or something like, that. like, it's just ridiculous. And yeah, so let's go look at assists per 36 minutes. His assists are way down and it speaks to you know, what you talked about last year, 4.1 assists, but this year, 2.8, they're asking them to do less and very much focus on the role of put the ball in the GD basket. Um, 
18.5 points per 36 minutes. And, you know, his offensive rating is 117 versus defensive rating of 106. And, oh, he's averaging 25.5 points for 100 possessions. Like, and, um, okay, I got to scroll down in the basketball reference here. What is his true shooting? If I can find the damn stat. His true shooting is 615. Like, that is elite. Like, how do you not play that guy a little bit more? Like, come on. What, what, what's he at right now? Is he at, uh, now, now I gotta find out and I don't understand how averages work. So somebody bear with me and do something while I'm talking here. Per game. No, I, mean, I, no, I, I totally hear you. 22.3. I mean, come on. How do you not give that guy five more minutes a game? Come on. I, I, I'm on board with you, Nate. I feel like the man's earned it. I mean, like, yeah, we're, it's a merit. It's a real meritocracy in the NBA, and the dude is just balling his brains out. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like he's earned it. He's earned it. He's earned the right to, you know, I think, I think he earned, I, I feel like you can cut down Okoro's minutes just a touch and put Chetty in. A, for instance, if you with the game tonight, I feel like you Chetty looked pretty down good. Rubio's and Garland's numbers a bit, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and one of the impressive things tonight was Chetty's defense on Zach Levine. Uh, challenged him pretty good. His length seemed to bother him. You know, so, him to uh, the help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a, yeah they they ran a clinic on Zach Levine today it w- it was super fun um and, and a little bit i feel like you know jb might especially on a week like this jb might want to you know cut the minutes down and expand the rotation a little bit i think dean wade showed tonight that he deserves some minutes you know three or four from three in the last five minutes of garbage time like Let's I feel like that, that was a message. Little... That was a message like, that just sent to JB, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was like, "Come on, JB." Yeah, <laughs> that that was an "I feel you, dog" moment. So, <laughs> so yeah. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Kaz the podcast. What were you gonna say, Chris? I cut this you is, off right before you're gonna say something. This is just for posterity because Nate requested, but Dean Wade did get robbed of a three at the end of the game because of the shot clock violation, which I don't know about the shot they seemed like the clock started a little quick, but he had his four three uh hit if they would have counted it. So just shout out to Dean Wade, you're my boy. So I, I saw it. I saw you on a heater. On a heater. That, that that's like the thing this year. Everybody's on a heater. I like that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Right. <laughs> Riding the buffalo, feeling the flow, doing the happy dance. You know what I'm saying? That's um, what's up. Like, and so you got a question for me and Eli, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So to me, the question that we have that that is on the minds of seemingly a lot of Cavs fans uh, recently, and also. It's the time of the year, and we're in December now, uh, almost mid-December. And that question is, the Cavs are a top eight team by luck-adjusted differential. They are looking like they're on the precipice of being one of the top contenders uh, in the NBA this season. So the question is, do the Cavs make a move to 
put them over the edge and put them among the top contenders of the league? Do they make a move? Do they upset the apple cart? Do they do something because they've lost young bull Colin Sexton for the year? Uh, I want to hear your thoughts, guys. Uh, Eli, what you think? Wait, 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 wait. Before you go to Eli, we got to have a, we got to have a moment of silence. <laughs> because Eli was in a text to us. <laughs> you know, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to not bury the Ben Simmons to the Cavs trade idea. We have come to praise its name. Come on. <laughs> no, no, it's not true. The Ben Simmons. Eli is off the train. He's a former officially. Ben Simmons to the Cavs is no longer a good idea. Am I right, Eli? You're right. I have come to my realization, and I'm ready to close that dark chapter of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Here I go, turn the page. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I am officially off the trade for Ben Simmons uh, bandwagon. Um, that dream is now no longer anything I want anything to deal with. Yeah, and to be honest, like, we're all thrilled with that, right? Like, oh, yeah. Because the Cavs are playing so well. That is why that dream is dead, right? Oh yeah, and you know, I will. I will also say this: um, I was very critical of the organization getting rid of KPJ. Um, I think, in hindsight, we can look at that and see that as not as devastating as a move. Uh, now that we have uh, almost the full year of results, so I am. Not going to bring up the Ben Simmons uh, hypothetical trade to the Cavs uh, going forward. That that is that train has left the station, and in hindsight, I should have never wanted to even be on that train. So <laughs> I'm ready. To well, that to be fair, the man driving that train, the 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 engineers of that train were Daryl Morey and Chris. Uh, sorry, Rich Paul. The, those are some those are some sketchy engineers. Come on, <laughs> that is true. So, uh, but to back to the the main question that prompted all of this, including you know missing trains and whatnot. I actually am on the fence here. I think the Cavs should make a move. I don't think it has to be a go all in for you know an all star type of move. But I do want to see the Cavs make a move. And one move that I think is still on the table that could happen, and honestly, I think it should happen, is James Ennis. He's on the street. Oh, I did not expect that. I didn't expect that at all. And it would cost the Cavs a minimum salary because they do currently have 15 players. So, so they would have to cut either probably Ed Davis or it'd be Ed Davis or Valentine, I would guess, because I think uh, they'd have yeah, to keep Valentine because yeah. they have him to a two-year deal, and Valentine's deal for next year is not guaranteed. So it'd probably be Ed Davis. Or, I, I don't uh, think his deal for this year is guaranteed. Yeah, it might not be actually, but um, 
that's actually one move I think is really low-hanging fruit. Obviously, to counter that, maybe there is a reason James Ennis hasn't been picked up by anybody at this point. Maybe he has a lingering injury or he just doesn't want to play uh, unless it's like a contending situation. But um, that's definitely a move I'd be interested in. And then in terms of a trade, unless they're getting some smoking deal that doesn't make sense for the other team, which rarely happens in today's NBA because no GM wants to be the big loser. Um, I think a trade for like a slight reclamation project, maybe like a Derek White um, could make sense. Karis LeVert is a name that has been popping up a lot because of the report that the Pacers might be looking to trade um, their whole core away. And even Chris Fedor tweeted out that the Cavs could be a strong suitor for him. But looking oh, at really? how our team, how the Cavs' salary structure is, I don't see a way the Cavs can make that deal unless they give up um, Rubio, which I'm totally against. And I think I tweeted this too. It, it, they, they could, the easiest one is giving Rubio up straight up, which is definitely not going to happen. Yeah, Osman that's really a, tough to me. Yeah, yeah, Osman and Okoro. Was, Remember how last year how Osman seemed overpaid and now he seems underpaid? Yeah, and Osman Okoro, which I also don't think I would do. And then maybe you, the alternative is you aggregate like Okoro, Windler, Dean Wade, and Lamar Stevens. I mean, that's that's like pretty much the three pathways unless they do some janky stuff with a third team um, or four-team deal where they give a, a bunch of assets to get other things as well. But I just don't really see a good pathway for Levert. And, you know, to be honest, he's he doesn't have the best health uh, track record, which could be devastating when you go for a trade of that magnitude of salary. So um, besides that, like, I'm the Cavs should only be really looking at fringe types of deals, I think, on the margins. Because why mess this up? I mean, this team is playing really well. They're playing for each other. And, you know, if you do want to look at a trade, you have to, I think the focus should be on this team for now and look at a deal in the offseason when you still have some big questions, like with Colin Sexton's restricted free or his free agency. And, you know, you got to extend Garland. You got to, you're probably going to have to pay him something big. So, you know, you're going to cap yourself back out. But uh, right now, I just don't see any big moves that the Cavs can make that I would really, you know, think is a home run at this point. I mean, to me, it's really about, you know, one of the things is we're probably three weeks away. Like, I think, or maybe even two weeks away. And I think these teams that are at the bottom, you know, the first big domino to fall in the NBA every year is when teams that were acquired in the offseason can be traded. Um, I'm not sure when that is right now because I had a couple of adult beverages. It's in next the... week, actually. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, so we're a week away from that. So I feel like um, it kind of depends on, you know, if Indy wins a couple games, maybe they, you know, make that move. Um and a lot of these teams are kind of right on the edge. Um, you know, I put a big thing 
the last time we had this podcast, uh, Derek White and uh, Doug McDermott, I thought would be a really great fit. Um, well, in the interim, the Spurs won some games, you know, but they're uh, still in 12th, sp- 12th place, you know, four and six. Well, I guess they've lost two since then. So it's like, you know, there's a place you look and say, hey, if you're the Spurs and you can get a couple draft picks and give up a Derek White and a Doug McDermott, who, you know, may not necessarily be long-term fits for you for a Kevin Love, that kind of makes some sense. Um, if you are the Indiana Pacers right now, uh, it's not looking that great for you. You're 11 and 16. Um I think a guy that would fit phenomenally for the Cavs is Malcolm Brogdon, uh, who could uh, definitely slide into that, uh, you know, I I would give up a Ricky Rubio for a Malcolm Brogdon. I'll be honest. Unfortunately, you can't trade for Brogdon this year, though, because he signed an extension. Uh, Why are you you such an a-hole? (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm just saying, I would trade a lot for Malcolm Brogdon too, but unfortunately, yeah, yeah whatever, you jerk. Why? <laughs> <laughs> wonder if you just poop in my oatmeal some more. Um, yeah, yeah. There's Karis Liver. Uh, there's Gary Harris. I don't think Gary Harris makes sense for the Cavs. Um, you know, I threw out the idea of. Uh, my boy Sato, Sadoransky from uh, New Orleans, right? New Orleans, yeah. New or- the, the, the New Orleans fatties. Um, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, Zion Williamson and um, Brandon Ingram, like together they make the number 10. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm sorry. I would love Josh Hart. Josh Hart, I think, would be fantastic from that team. Like, I would go hard after that guy. That he is—he would be so perfect at us as a starting two for the uh, Cavs. I mean, does anybody disagree with me there? With the numbers he's putting up this year, in terms of rebounds and you know decent shooting and defense. No, I mean, I really like Josh Hart, and I'm. Kind of wondering if you like a Josh Hart and you'd get Josh Hart and Sadoransky. Um, yeah, or, but if you did that, you'd have to give up love. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the issue. You'd have to give up love yeah. and probably a pick. So, oh no, you'd have to give up maybe two picks, honestly, for Josh Hart. And and I might do that if they're you know depending on the protections around those. So the other side of that is kind of what happens uh, with uh, with Portland. Do we bring our boy home? Do we do we bring the pride of Stark County back to Cleveland um, if Portland keeps losing? And by that I mean CJ McCollum. Um, like if you could give up a Kevin Love and get. You know, and and maybe a couple first round draft picks for a CJ McCollum if Portland just totally implodes that whole situation. Do you do that, Eli? I would really consider it. Um, you know, just it's unfortunate that his like 
he had a lung collapse this week, so that's oh my enough. god, right? What the heck happened there? Yeah, so um, it's just tough because I think McCollum is no what, seriously. One. Do you know what the heck happened? Was it a game thing? No, I just think I think it's like a he just really happened his lung collapse. What? Apparently no, it doesn't. Yeah. I think it's that whole wine thing he's into. That wine shit is weird and will mess you up. <laughs> but um, I I don't know, man. I I like McCollum, and I think he shoots enough threes to make make the fit work with basically any NBA team. And the Cavs now have enough defensive, you know. Yeah, I feel like the Cavs. Yeah, the Cavs uh, one through three makes enough sense. That you could have a guy like CJ McCollum as you're starting to. And honestly, yeah. I feel like you could ship Colin Sexton out in that deal because, you know, that team would probably be willing to wait on Colin Sexton, you know, either pay him the qualifying offer or, you know, kind of figure out how that whole situation is going to work. But I feel like Colin Sexton could be part of that trade too if they blow that team up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that idea of the McCollum ideal. I mean, especially if you're getting off the love contract, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'd love to get McCollum and get uh, Larry Nance back, but that ain't happening. Poor Larry Nance. Like, I feel like he definitely did not make a great decision asking for a trade. Like, when the Cavs drafted Evan Mobley, he should have been like, "Yes, please," you know, but. Whatever. I mean, he's he's kind of getting scraps out, and I mean, he's fighting for time with a freaking Zeller brother. Come on, like, what is that? <laughs> like, I've, oh God, and at least, at least, at least, Neil O'Shea is out for that team. Anyway, I just feel bad. Rest for in peace. Yeah, absolutely. Rest in piss, bozo. <laughs> Neil O'Shea. Yeah. <laughs> And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. Second hour. You know, we're, 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 we're trending a little more mellow now, but, uh, Chris, um, how ah, there was a joke I was supposed to make. What was the joke, Eli? <laughs> Chris, you asked the question. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Eli says that because Eli is kind of the new, uh, acting managing editor of Cavs the Blog, at least for, you know, at least until I get back on my feet again, I've, I've I've been dealt a blow personally, so I'm I'm turning over the reins of the blog to uh, a very capable hands, e- Elijah Kim. Um, and uh, yeah, Chris, listen to the boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, you know, to to the question. The reason why I thought of it and what it reminds me of is, and what kind of precipitated the thoughts is about going all in this season is that look at what happened to the Celtics um, about three, four years ago. You know, Tatum is popping off. Jalen Brown's popping off. They have Rozier. They had uh, Gordon Hayward. They had this core. Um, they were they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs. You know they lost or whatever, but you know they stood pat. You know they they stood pat with all their picks, all their guys, and look at where they are now. You know they are a middling team. 
And there's now questions about, is Tatum going to stay? Is Brown going to get traded? You know, they are totally in the mud. And so it just, to me, and, and it's interesting listening to you guys talk, is, is that you guys make such compelling cases both ways, you know, with the McCollum deal or just standing pat. Uh, for me, you know, because re- what I was going to say coming into this discussion was that I want to make a move. I want to make a big move because I want to strike while the iron's hot. Uh, and we have Evan Mobley, who's a generational talent, and he's completely changed the complexion and trajectory of the team. We need to strike while the iron's hot and while the getting's good. But then, you know, listening to you guys talk, and, and I'm now starting to back away from that opinion and think, you know, the vibes are just so good right now with the team. This team is all pulling in the same direction. They all have, they're all on the same agenda that I've kind of, you guys have kind of convinced me, like, we should just let this ride out, you know, let this mother ride. And because the vibes are good, because, you know, it, you know, we could trade Kevin Love, but I feel like Love will be a, an important piece if we're in the playoffs, you know, and we need to be good. You know, we need to have clutch play in in pressure situations. He's been in the finals. He's won a championship. You know, he he's he's performed. He's won gold medals. You know, we need, need a guy like that if we're actually going to do any damage in the playoffs. You know, uh, we we have um, Rubio, who's been a leader uh, for his national team um, and done great things for the Spanish national team. So, you know, just kind of listening to you guys, I've kind of like swung one way to the other where I was at first. I was like, we got to make a move because I don't want to waste any minute that we have Mobley to, you know, the vibes are so good and it's all about the team. So let's just ride this ride this mother out. So I don't know how that strikes your guys' ears, but that's kind of where I'm at now is you guys kind of convinced me that the vibes are too good to mess with. I mean, let's let me take you back to a time, 2009, I believe, when or maybe 2010, the Cavs traded one Zydrunas Ogaskis for one Lame ass MFer, Anton <laughs> Jameson, um, and his stupid little push shot from the free throw line that went off the back of the backboard every friggin' time. And the guy couldn't guard my mom on a uh, trip to the COVID vaccine center. I mean, <laughs> come on. And I still, to this day, uh, say that was the worst GD trade I ever saw in my GD life because it totally jacked the chemistry of the Cavs, even though Z came back like 60 days later when the, oh, who was it? The Wizards bought him out and he came back and they literally made a freaking rule, the Z rule, so that teams couldn't buy out players and they could return to the team that traded them in the first place. But it totally jacked the Cavs chemistry. And I contend, you know, if you had a time machine and you went back and you made that trade differently, the Cavs first championship might've been 2009 and not 2016. So for 2000, 
2010. I don't know. I can't remember. I got my dates all jacked up. But it's definitely don't screw up chemistry. Like, this team is so fun, so good. Why would you mess it up? That being said, you could trade some guys at the bottom of the roster. You know, you got your um, Dean Wades. You got your, you know, Lamar Stevens. Um, you know, you you can aggregate some salaries down at the bottom. But, man, I, I don't know if you screw it up, you know. Enjoy the ride. In the words of Dewey Cox, it's a beautiful ride. Eli, <laughs> what do you got to say that? No, I, I remember that trade. And at the time, I really liked Antoine Jameson. So, I... You're bringing back nightmares because <laughs> I remember because I remember the first game after he got traded and he played, he like did literally did not make a field goal in the game. Oh man! Oh and, man! And then I think his bet Antoine Jameson's best moment was in 2000, the year after. It was 2010, Nate. You're right. So, um, was the year after where the Cavs were like lost 26 straight. Oh, you're, you're driving a stake into my heart, Eli. <laughs> Worst, I mean, that was the least I watched the Cavs ever. The frickin' Byron Scott shittleers. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, they played the Clippers with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and they 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 won their game against the Clippers. And I remember Antoine Jameson at the post-game press conference said it felt like winning a championship, and I, like, lost my mind. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, no. my God. Uh, <laughs> but oh, Anyway. Man. Oh, my God. That was brutal, Eli. That was brutal. Why don't you just pull my gallbladder out and just beat it against my face? Oh, my God. But in all seriousness, <laughs> and back to the present day, um, I think they should just do the James Ennis move. And I think that's it. That's all they got to do. Unless Greg Popovich is like, you know what? I'm just going to win my games to be the all-time winningest coach, and I'll give the June. And get Sorry, did I just drop an F-bomb? I guess I did. <laughs> it's uh, No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, you think, I... Beck, you think Becky Hammond uh, – is coaching that team next year? Oof. I think I think Popovich only needs to win like twenty six games to get the all time record. So twenty six more? No, no. Or twenty six total. Twenty six total, I believe. But and and then he's like, peace out. Yeah, I I think that probably happens, and then he becomes like a senior consultant for that team. But who knows? I I don't know. I don't yeah, know. He only needs 26 total wins. Like, I love Pop. And honestly, I think that team, like, DeJounte Murray looks incredible this year. Like, that oh, guy yeah. is ridiculous. Uh, Derek White's all over the place. Part of the reason I think he would fit with the Cavs is because they could actually get him. But, and I actually think the guy they drafted, um, his name, he's super young. Josh Primo. Josh Primo looks fantastic um, and looks like he could be a really good player in the future. 
Um, and you know, they've got a lot of decent young players. They're just super young. They honestly remind me of the Cavs, like from a year or two earlier, except with a hell of a lot more wing depth. Um, it's just, you know, youth is a freaking killer in the NBA. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like he could just come back next year and win 50 games with a, a new team or, Becky Hammond could be coaching that team. I honestly think he kind of wants to turn the reins over to Becky Hammond. Um, and I feel like, and then just become a senior consultant for the team. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I love pop, you know, you know, I live by the creed of WWPD. What would pop do? Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that team, but. You know, Derek White is on a four-year guaranteed contract. It's it's hard to trade a guy like that just because it's like, well, if you're good next year, you really wish you'd have had that guy. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what happens with that team. I'm I'm just babbling now. I don't know what I'm saying. Somebody step in because I'm just. <laughs> I don't know, uh, Chris. What? Okay, so we talked about this when we were planning this segment. Give me one thing that's going on in the NBA right now that is surprising you. And one thing that you're like, ha ha. <laughs> well, the one thing that is surprising me uh, is, uh, that's a great question. What's the one thing that's surprising I, me? I guess, I guess I it's um, the Knicks. I would say being total dog crap. I uh, really kind of did. I thought they, you know, had some good mojo from last year and I expected them to, you know, hang in and be, be in the mix and they look bad. And there's already now they're starting to take shots at New York, Nick, the fickle New York uh, media and fans are now turning against Tibbs. So uh, what a difference six months makes. So uh, that'd be the surprising thing I would say for me. It wouldn't surprise some of the more doomer Knicks fans, but it does surprise me. So the is thing that I told your uh, surprise or your ha ha. I guess it could work for both. No, the ha ha is definitely Jalen Green. What a scrub! Oh my god! I mean, I'm sick of hearing like there's a little joke in a and I'm an old curmudgeon and there's a little joke in my NBA chat circle about you know buckets and problems and stuff like that. They were all in on Jalen Green, this, that, and the other thing. Well, guess what? He freaking stinks. He stinks to high heaven. And oh, so oh, found. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know if you've seen the stats, but basically, the the Houston Rockets went on a six game winning streak, I think, or something like that. After he got uh, taken out of the rotation or whatever. They're like 26 points better per 100 possessions without him. And on top of that, apparently KPJ also stinks and the team has totally turned their performance around. They beat the Nets tonight without either of them. So, you know, learn the game. The game is about not just buckets. It's about preventing buckets, too. So Evan Mobley for the win. Suck it, Houston fans. And Tillman for Titta. Tillman for Shitta is unfeated. What about you, Eli? <laughs> well, what about you, ironically, Eli? Chris's, Chris's ha-ha is my 
surprise, which is the Rockets. You know, they won seven straight and they beat the crap out of the Nets despite James Harden getting his like 15 free throws at, in Houston like he's used to. <gasps> so, okay, they, so they're, does they're letting any rat go ahead? Oh, no, I'm saying they're letting the rat, the rat king go now. <laughs> Who's oh. the rat king? Sorry. Oh, the the rat king is definitely Trey Younger. Trey Younger, James Harden, take your pick. Jimmy Harden, take your pick. <laughs> oh, they're okay. the rat kings. Like I almost feel like uh, James Harden is like almost yesterday's news at this point. Like he feels totally exposed to me as an as an NBA star. Like whereas Trey is still doing a lot of really good stuff with his passing and shooting. That's fair. I mean, he's still a douche. And he's still like that team is still annoying to watch, but he's still doing a ton with passing, and and it helps that he has a lot of really athletic guys around him, like you know, yeah, boy, Juice Collins, uh, Eli, <laughs> you know. the Juice Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely been a very interesting NBA season so far. Um. I feel like the East is wide open. Do you guys feel the same way? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's wide open and the best it's like ever been in recent history, I feel like. Yeah, and and even like, you know, Miami was super good for a while. We had Milwaukee. I feel like Milwaukee is still the best team in the East, especially as they get healthy and good gravy did Giannis look like Jordan and Dr. J had a kid the other day when I was watching the Cavs play him. I was just like, when he's coming down and just launching, just like pull up FU threes, I was like, holy crap, that that cat is a, a as the tweet Twitter folks say, a bala, you know, or no, sorry, rather, a ho- he is a, a hooper, hooper. a hooper. hooper. Yeah, not a basketball player. He's a hooper. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I, that guy, oh, my God, he's so good. And I love the dude. Like, I, he is a hard guy to root against. Am I wrong? Like, he just plays his ass off all the time and loves the city that drafted him, loves his teammates. Like, freaking he gets to play with two of his brothers. How great is that? I mean, I, I can't even... I have a hard time even getting mad at Giannis when the Cavs lose to him, except that the refs never call GD travel on him. But, I mean, he's so much fun, and he clearly worked his butt off. You know, that guy is generational, you know, and that's what I hope the Cavs are getting in Evan Mobley. I don't know. I'm just babbling at this point. What's my surprise? Oh, man, Uh, I got to get into it here. My surprise... I did not think the Warriors were this good. Like, that's a good one. I mean, the other side of it is, f you for tanking for the last two years, you douches. Come on, like we all know they tanked for the last two years, and they got a bunch of draft picks. Um, I'm super. I'm not glad because I don't root against anybody, but James Wiseman. Ha ha. I mean, that guy is no freaking good, yet they still got enough 
freaking uh, ammunition and enough uh, powder in the in the chamber to go pull a trigger for another trade for a pretty decent dude. Um, and oh, they have they are tied for the best record in the NBA with the Suns, who. Come on, let's be honest, guys. You guys watched the Suns and the Cavs games. That was the biggest officiating load of garbage I've ever seen in my life. Are you? Do you guys disagree? I've um, never seen a worse officiated NBA game. No, I. Speaking of that game, I have a hilarious story about that game. Uh, oh, 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 oh! Do tell. Elijah so I, I think I told you guys this. So I went to. Um, I went to that game because it was the win the day before Thanksgiving. Me and a bunch of buddies went, and the game was so frustrating that I looked up what the referee's name was. And <laughs> I started yelling at him. Oh yeah, okay. I didn't realize. Okay, you were at that game. What was his name? It's it was Meta. Yeah, Suyash Meta Meta, and yeah. I found this article on the NBA official referee thing website that talked about how, and it's, it was a quote. He said like, Oh, I didn't follow my father's footsteps. Who was a doctor. And you know, he, he immigrated <laughs> to the U S I you know, already, I already know where this is going. And okay. I, it's like an Aziz Ansari. What was the Aziz? What was the Aziz Ansari show on Netflix? Uh, <laughs> Parks and no, on no one on Netflix. Uh, uh, okay, well, just keep going with your story because oh, yeah, no worries. Uh, so as like my seats were pretty good, so like they could definitely hear us, right? Like the refs could definitely hear us. And uh, there was this point in the game where Rubio gets a rebound, he doesn't dribble the ball, and they're about, and then they call timeout to advance the ball, obviously. And Suyash oh my god, Meta. I remember that. Yeah, and Suyash the Meta show pointed at um the ca- under the Cavs basket, saying that they're going to have to go from there because he advanced the ball, which he did not at all. Which he did not at all. And r- you could hear Rubio y- literally yelling like, "I didn't effing dribble the ball." And <laughs> his name point, is not Rubio. Really his name is our Lord and Savior, your Jesus Rubio. Anyway, keep going. So at this point, everyone's really mad. They're booing the refs at like every every point of the game. And I yell, hey, ref, it sucks that you're nowhere near your father. And on top of that, you're blind. Like, like, I'm like the meanest person in the world. And I was... To be fair, I was sitting kind of far, but like still, you know, within within distance of seeing him. So are and these the same seats that um, you hooked me up with, Eli? Um, I think they're a little bit closer to the action. Wow. Okay. Because yeah, the ones like the me, me and court. David had uh, were pretty good. So yeah. So because of those Thanksgiving, I think I got like a upgrade to the back. Here, nice. But, nice. Um. So basically, that happens. Obviously, the Cavs lose, and then the worst part is he has to like walk through the tunnel right in front of me to leave because that's where the referees <laughs> come out. And I, me and my friends, like, 
I mean, this is like not a nice thing to do, but we were just telling him like, <laughs> I'm shocked. disappointed in you. You're like, you couldn't even be a doctor. Like, we're just yelling all. <laughs> Oh my god! And, like we are questioning this man's life choices. And, um, to top it all off, I like sarcastically found I found his like Instagram, and I sarcastically DM'd him and said because I was so mad at this point, and I you know I was I might have been a little intoxicated, but I DM'd him that and I posed. Say. I posed as a Suns fan, and I said. I bet people just look at your Instagram to spill hate and vitriol about the call you missed. But I just want to thank you for giving my sons the victory in Cleveland this evening. And he literally, I like, he never responded to it, but he blocked me. So that means he saw the message and decided, like, I'm not dealing with this guy. So he blocked me. And that's my story. <laughs> did that, did that that's make your week, Eli? What's that? Did that make your week? No, because in the end, I felt bad that I said he was—he was not half the man his father was. So, <laughs> I'm half the man I used to be. Yeah. So, but you know, I, at the end of the day, they—it's—it was a frustrating game. It brings the worst and the best emotions, but um, it was—it was not a fun drive home after watching the refs. <laughs> Oh my God! How bad did they hose Darius Garland that game? Like he literally had three absolute phantom fouls. Like they were just not fouls, and they called him against them. And to and, add insult to injury, JB had a challenge one, and then that one still and that one was garbage. Yeah. Oh my God! Against our friend, our former Cavalier, toe on the line Crowder. Um. Ugh, God. Three-point line Crowder. Ugh, that game was so frustrating. I, after that game, I was like, well, if this is the way every game they're playing is officiated, no wonder they got this streak. Uh, and uh, how about Ben Worth's article last Friday just talking about taking away, um, you know, Chris Paul's right-hand snake dribble and, you know, just how bad the refs are still kind of hosing Darius Garland. We saw it tonight. He crowded. Uh, who did he crowd at the end of that game? And they got called for a foul. Or Levine. I think it was a Levine in the third quarter. And, and basically Levine pump faked. Garland closed the space. Hands straight up. Levine jumped into him. And it was like, oh, we're going to give you a call. And, and JB was like, yeah, F that noise. Uh, it was it was super frustrating. Yeah, and then it was a weird ruling because they didn't give him three shots. They said the foul was on the floor because the time expired, so he took two shots. It was so goofy. Oh, so well, and we want to talk about officiating. Uh, what was the game uh, where they literally took three Cavs threes off the board? That was the Suns game. Was it? Yeah, that that was the same game. They literally took three Cavs threes off the board. Like, what are we doing out here? Yeah, that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. But, you know, The worst part is, um, because this, like, made my blood boil so much, I looked up the last two-minute report for the game because there was one call where Crowder acted like he got hit in the face. Oh, my God! 
every replay <laughs> yeah. show that it did not happen. Yeah. And on the last oh. two minute report, they put videos of every foul that like they called correctly or not correctly. They ruled that foul correctly called. And then when you, you literally click the video that's like right under that, you never <laughs> see him not touch the guy's face at all. And I'm like, Oh, even the two minute reports like all effed up. Like no one's even yeah. looking at this. Yeah. Oh, it was garbage. Yeah. It was, uh, it was like he should have got a fine for flopping, right? Like Chris Paul should every other GD game, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, it was, it was egregious how missed a call that was. Egregious worded the evening for me. Um, I, I used the word egregious in several discussion in several uh, contexts before this podcast. So, um, yeah, and the Gav, the Cavs are an egregiously awesome team. So, um, super fun. I'm, I've been enjoying the crap out of them. Okay, real quick, let's wrap this bad boy up. Chris Francis, give me your pitches for this week. What is something everyone should check out this week? Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to say the Matrix movie looks pretty damn good. So Ooh, I'm going to pitch that because okay. I'm, I'm always a fan of the Matrix. I'm, I'm a fan of the trilogy. So Dude, I'm a fan of the first one. I, actually, I like the second one. I thought the third one was a big flaming pile of poo. But um, I, I, I do like me some Matrix. And Keanu is a mensch. So That's right. I, I, I I dig the dude, so I I can totally get behind Keanu. Um, yeah, Sorry. when's that come out? Uh, it comes out the twenty second, I think. So just before Christmas. So there's a lot of good movies coming out, yeah, man. Yeah, we got Spider Man, we got The Matrix. Um, what else is coming out? I know there's other stuff coming out. Yeah, I mean th- those were the two big ones for sure. What about you, Eli? You got anything to pick? Yeah, I actually got like a this. It's a weird thing. It's called an anti-pitch, which is like whatever <laughs> Stay you do, away from don't do it. The referee and, meta. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like I said, I do feel, feel kind of bad for calling him out on not living up to his father's footsteps. But that that <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus, Eli. <laughs> the third time um, it was mentioned. Eli with some inception shit going on. That aside, uh, my anti-pitch is actually the new Call of Duty game. They have made this game almost unenjoyable and unplayable at this point. And it is so frustrating because it used to be something I enjoyed. It was something that me and a bunch of friends uh, were able to connect with and spend time, you know, catching up over. But now they've released this new version. Instead of going into the future with more like realistic guns and stuff, we're actually going back to World War II. It's just not a very well thought out method, and it, uh, it, it frankly it just annoys me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. What I'm gonna do uh, instead now because I can't enjoy my time playing that game with my buddies. So that's my anti pitch. Get their asses, Eli. Damn, Eli. <laughs> Damn, just just. Eli with a rant of the day. I I don't know what I got to pitch this week. Um, I am going to pitch uh, being kind to people. 
um, being respectful of people. <laughs> um, I, I've had a blow in the last, uh, w- you know, week and a half, and I've been just unbelievably overwhelmed by the people that have. I I feel like I try to treat people with kindness and respect and support, and I've been super just touched by the people that have returned that to me as I've been experiencing tough times. And um, I just want to say thank you to everybody that uh, present company, very certainly included that has supported me and, you know, been my friend and, you know, just been awesome people that I like to surround myself with. Um, So thank you. And also, I'm going to pitch uh, Market Garden Festivus Holiday Ale, which is yeah. the official beer of saying, I love you, man, at uh, <laughs> 93 minutes into a podcast. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm pitching. So, um, and as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Lost And we're out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.